welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Good evening, Shawanda. Welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm great, Yuri. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. So I'd like to start off by asking how you describe yourself and what you do. How would I describe myself? Um, First, I would say I am a mom first. And I say that first because my son is my world. Mm So I am a proud mother of a brilliant young man who is pursuing his dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm out of pride in that. Um, And so I'm also a veteran. I've served 20 years in the military Mm -hmm. um, uh, as a healthcare administrator. And I am now pursuing what I realized was a deep rooted goal or deep rooted dream uh, was, which is writing and inspiring others to pursue their goals. Um, and so I speak to people. I'm a mentor, a leader. Um, and so that's how I would describe myself. Okay. Well, fantastic. So let's, so let's start from the beginning. What made you want to get involved in the military? The military was actually not something I ever dreamed of doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> It was not. Um, so I knew that I wanted to do something to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I started off um, wanting to go to college and um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, but I'm the oldest of four. Okay. And when I started school, um, I started at Rutgers, uh, Rutgers University in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I did not want my parents to have to worry about my education. So I tried to go at it alone. Um, and I said, well, take care of the other children. I'll be fine. Um, you know, trying to be an adult. Right, I don't know if that's a thing or a bad thing, <laughs> but it was a lot harder than I realized. Um, and so it, it actually, you know, financially, it wasn't really working out very well for me. Um, and so eventually I moved back to Maryland because I was living in Maryland at the time. I moved okay. back to Maryland, um, started trying to work in order to take care of school, but it became off balanced. Okay. Um, work, couldn't really go to school. And eventually I said, something has to give. I talked to a friend of mine I went to high school with and his wife at the time, because I was about 20 years old mm-hmm. at the time, but his, uh, his wife at the time was in the military. I talked to them and said, tell me what this is about because I need to go back to school. This is not what I wanted to do. Um, And so I went in and said, I'm doing four and I'm getting out. (laughs) And and by my third year, I reenlisted for six. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was not what I expected at all. And a lot of it had to do with, 
the leaders, the mm-hmm. people that I met. It changed everything, every perception that I had about mm-hmm. the Air Force or mm-hmm. the people. Yeah. And so I yeah. and did 20. Yeah. So what were what were your perceptions before you got in the military then versus what eventually happened and how your perception was changed when you were in the Air Force? Um, pretty much how a lot of people perceive the military from movies and news, you know, what we see as far as, um, it's so strict. You just have people tell you what to do all the time. You don't really have a life. Maybe your life is kind of inside of a box, so to speak. Um, and no real freedom to be yourself. And I really thought that's what it was about. And I still had that. So I grew up in New Jersey. And so I still had this Jersey mentality of you're not tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me what to do. If yeah. someone yells at me, I'm going to yell back. <laughs> you know, so I, was like, this, I, I can't do the military. Mm-hmm. But when I in um, the when I went in, um, I was married at the time. And um, the first thing that happened when I came in uh, shortly after I got to my first Air Force base, which was at Luke, my grandmother passed away. And the people that were there, my supervisors, they were so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was going to be so hard for me to get home. Um, and my grandmother was very, very close to me. You know, I had taken care of her for, for a while before I came in. And um, they did everything they could to help me get home, including pay for my airfare. Wow. Get home. And I would have never expected that. Mm -hmm. That's just not something I would have expected ever. Yeah. And I was this this is the this is the military, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm thinking this is this is the military. Um, you know, so I went home and was with my grandmother, you know, helped lay my grandmother to rest and came back. And even when I came back, it's still that's that familyness was still there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was OK. Talk to me about it. And, you know, they asked me questions, very personal questions about my grandmother and that relationship. And I never expected that. Um, even when my son was born, um, they were there. People were there with me when my son was born. I had a very tough pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm back in Arizona now, which was, you know, I retired from my first Air Force base. Okay. And so people lived here during the time, you know, people stayed here after I left. And my son used to come back and visit because his, you know, my dad, his, I'm sorry, his father and I are divorced. Mm-hmm. But friends that I had here remained here. And when my son would come back to visit his father, um, they would come and pick up my son and take him out and spend time with him. And this is people from the military. You know, this is not what I've ever would have ever expected. Mm -hmm. And something I still did not see for years, but they would go and take care of my son. And these are the same people that after I moved here, when my family could not be here mm-hmm. for my high school graduation, they were there. Yeah. They oh, were there. That's great. So they became my family. Yeah. They yeah, became. Your second family. That's that's absolutely wonderful. So how, how then how long were you in the, the military? I did 20 years and 28 days. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's very specific. <laughs> 20 years and 28 days. Why Why did you decide to leave after 20 years and 28 days? So um, as a young airman, the older supervisors would always tell us, you'll know when it's time. And we used to always laugh and say, oh, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. But I tell you what, um, when it was time, I knew. And it was <laughs> it was just so weird. And I went back to all my supervisors because my all of my first supervisors, most of my first supervisors were at my retirement ceremony. OK, yeah, they were at my retirement ceremony. And um, and I told them, I said, man, you guys told us that when we were younger. You said, you'll know, you'll know. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense back then. But it made so much sense because I remember and I'll never forget it was on a Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was on Tuesday because two of my mentors and myself, we would always go to Buffalo Wild Wings on Tuesdays for 50 cent wing days. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a Tuesday. But I remember sitting on my bed on a Tuesday morning. And there was this feeling that I had. And it was like, my career is over. I was like, what is this feeling? I don't know what's going on. And I cried. And I called them and said, we need to talk. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, it's Tuesday. We can go to B-Dubs. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and we sat and talked. And I said, I think it's, I think it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really did it was, the airmen that I had been leading and mentoring, I watched them and I watched them begin to truly lead and mentor the next generation of airmen. Mm-hmm. That gave me the greatest closure. And it was like, I'm done. Yeah. What I set out to do, I'm done. And now I can peacefully move on. And mm-hmm. that gave enclosure to be done yeah great so what did you do next then so there were two things that i truly wanted to do after i retired Mm -hmm. um and i still wanted to kind of work in some type of compliance um when i retired and so i was hired by a company which we won't name names but i was hired by I was hired by um, a very well-known company before I retired okay. um, to work in their compliance department. And I was super excited. And I started there really before I retired. I was still kind of what they call on terminal leave Okay. for a while. Um, and whatever projects they gave to me, um, I finished them very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um it was a, it was a very, it was a very, um, it, it was an adjustment. We're used to doing so much on active duty. We're used to, um, multitasking. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever job we have, we're used to getting so many other things that we have to do and so many projects to manage. Yeah. And so whenever I'm given something, it was, Oh, well, you know, you have about four or five weeks to do to do this. And I was like, okay. And then I'd be done within like a couple of days or within like a week or two. And I'm like, oh, is there something else you want me to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So, um, so I worked there for, I actually worked there for a few months and, uh, 
And then I got a little bored. <laughs> I kind of need something to do. I'm kind of over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied somewhere else and, and Branham Medical Center. Um, did that for a few months. And um, things were going well and kind of came off of there and then started working for myself. I was like, you know, this is not quite what I had in mind when I was thinking retirement. <laughs> I think I was. <laughs> I'm tied more to a laptop and a cell phone more so than I was when I was, you know, kind of working a bigger sensor yeah. when I was on that. So um, the work balance life was not that great. Um, so it really wasn't the best place for me to be. Yeah. Um, and so that that just really didn't work out for the long term. Sure. So when you say you started working for yourself, what what does that mean? What did you get? What did you start doing then with your time? Um, well, to start, I really had to take a step back and and think about what it was that, um, what it was that was going to make me happy. Was it the money? Was it, um, the time back for myself? You know, what is it that I wanted out of life? What did I think that was going to make me successful? Um, at one time it was like, you know, yeah, it would be so great to make a six figure salary, but I will tell you. I retired from the military and I started making a lot of money and I started looking at my check and realized that most of it was going into the government. <laughs> I was like, this is a joke. This, this, my feelings were kind of hurt. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, it was, it was great, but most of it was not really coming to me. Yeah. Um, but what I really got out of what I was doing was mm-hmm. how I was helping other people. Mm-hmm. And while the money was great, the fulfillment was coming out of the lives that were being changed. So um, I took a step back mm-hmm. and I started working more at my church and I started working with the youth. Okay. Um, we started working on a personal and professional development program, which I thought was, you know, really, really needed at the at the church. They had an entrepreneurial program, which they thought was not working very well. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's not working very well because people have ideas of being entrepreneurs, but they don't have the tools to be entrepreneurs. So you're chasing people down for them to start a business, but you never gave them the tools to start a business. So you got to, you know, give them a foundation. Right. So for me, that was that starting point of, hmm, something's kind of growing here. Mm-hmm. So we started with there, started working with the youth at first, um, helping them to develop goals and and not dreams because, right. you know, helping understand the difference between a goal and a dream, right. which I don't know. Coming out of the military, it was a very different world to see the difference between how some people were functioning of an idea of a goal and a dream. So that was kind of new for me. Yeah. Um, so working with that. And then, um, then I just kind of started moving into ministry, um, so, so to speak, full time. Um, and then went back to school for theology just to get a deeper understanding of what I was doing. In the meantime, I had like a little travel agent, agency business to kind of supplement my pension. Mm -hmm. Um, but I used it as a ministry. And then I started writing my first book at the same time so I had like a lot of things going at one time yeah yeah you, you definitely 
again, and, and maybe it's the military background, but you like to do a lot of things uh, at the same time. It's uh, not the typical retirement that I hear other people talk about. So let's talk about your writing then. Why? What first made you interested in in writing? And when you started writing your book, were there mentors you were working with, or you know, other resources you were working with to help you improve your writing and your thought process? Um. So I. So the book really came unexpectedly. Um, I was going out hiking. And I kind of explained this in the first book. Um, it's actually called Fresh Mana, Journey to a New Beginning. And I was on this hiking group. Um, and I was one of the youngest people in the group. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought I was kind of fit. You know, I was, you know, working out a lot before. But here I am with older people, which was great because I was getting a lot of wisdom on these trails. Mm-hmm. But we're on the, um, on the trails. And um, so I'm learning these trails out here in the Estrella Mountains and a couple other places. And then after a while, I, I kind of went by myself, which I never in a million years thought I would be going out hiking <laughs> in these mountains by myself. But we went one day um, by myself and um this is the day that my book, I'll say my book was birth. Okay. Um, so I'm walking on this trail and I start off and I'm like, okay, I haven't been running in a long time, but I feel kind of good. So I'm going to start running. So I start off with this jog and then I'm like, okay, so I'm going on this jog walk. And every time I feel like I'm picking up momentum, I stop. And I'm looking around going, okay, which path am I supposed to take? Now, I've been on this trail so many times, but all of a sudden, it's like I can't find my way. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so I slow down, then I pick back up, and I slow down, and I pick back up. And then I'm always, you know, a couple times I'm stopping trying to figure out which way I'm supposed to go, and I'm doubting which way I'm supposed to go. And then I figure it out. I'm like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really sure. Okay, now I remember, you know, kind of going through that kind of thing. Um, And so, you know, I get halfway through to where I'm supposed to be and I get to this one major crossroad on this trail. And everything looks very familiar, Mm -hmm. but I feel very, very lost, (laughs) (laughs) super lost. And something tells me go straight. And I'm going, no, I'm not going to go straight. I'm going to go left. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I decided to go left. And I went left and I'm thinking, well, this looks familiar. But I don't think I'm supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) But I keep going anyway. And I'm looking around. I'm like, I know this trail, but I don't think this is the one I'm supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. And I'm checking my phone on the map and my the phone on my map's not working. I mean, the map on my phone isn't working. Um. I can't get a signal. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should turn around. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Maybe, maybe just, yeah. And I get all the way down to the end and it's a dead end. And I'm like, okay, I get it. This is not where I'm supposed to be. So I have to double back and go back and I get back on the trail I'm supposed to go on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a Christian. And so for me, I believe that. You know, 
I hear God, right? Mm-hmm. So I hear this is what people do. Whenever we know whatever it is that we believe, you know, whether whatever it is that we believe in, for me, it's God. Mm-hmm. But when we know what we're supposed to do, sometimes we get in our own way and we doubt anyway. Right. And so we lean on our own devices instead of what we know we're supposed to do, which is what I did. And so leaning on my own device did not work for me. Hmm. And it put me on the wrong path. And and it got me lost. It put me on a dead end trail. Right. I had to double back and get back on the right path where I knew I was supposed to go in the first place to get me where I was supposed to go. And that was the opening for my book, which was learning to trust. For me, it was trust God. Mm -hmm. But for anybody else, whatever you believe is trust what you believe. Yeah. Doubt. Yeah. And so that birth, that book. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. And I I love it that it's like you were literally lost. You literally took the wrong path and had to double back. So that's so. That's so I, I find the subject fascinating. So how do you so whatever it is that you you know you're right that you call that either God or your instinct or or mm-hmm. whatever that is how to so how do you learn to to trust yourself that that the uh, the path that you're on is the correct path and that you're not getting in your own way? Are there like uh, guide things or you know guidebooks you should look for or just signs? Or is it just, you know, some people feel like they just can't trust themselves anymore. So how do you, how did you learn to do that? And how do you encourage others to do the same thing? So for instance, like that, like that particular um, trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I, I talked. So I talked about this when I did a, I did a TED talk at the Tucson book festival and I shared this. So it's like, we, we start off slow, mm-hmm. but when we start, getting comfortable because we know this is where we're supposed to go. Right. That's when we start picking up momentum. But every time we doubt is when we stop and then we start looking around. But you had the momentum. If you had the momentum, momentum is supposed to keep you going. It's not supposed to put you dead in your tracks. Right. But if once you start picking up that momentum, trust the momentum that you that you started getting and keep moving with that. Mm-hmm. Don't stop because once you stop then you have to start trying to pick up that momentum and get going all over again so you have to trust while you're moving that's the key it's like whatever kept you moving trust that Mm -hmm. and that keep you moving and then once it gets you moving it helps you to pick up more and more speed that's what momentum does it gives you more and more speed so when i was on the trail i started off slow but then I would start picking up momentum. And then after a while, it was like I started getting I started warming up. Yeah. And as I continued to warm up, I was like, man, I feel good. And then I started moving a lot faster. But then all of a sudden, every time I would get to a crossroad, I was like, well, I know, but I don't know. <laughs> right. But the thing is, I knew. Yeah. But why did I doubt what I knew? Why couldn't I just trust what came to my mind. And so one of the things I told my um, my cousin, I have a cousin that I, I talk to a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I tell her, too, if, if, if that's what came up, then just trust it. Yeah. 
just trust it. Don't doubt it. Just trust it. Go with it. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes up, that's your truth. The first thing that comes out of your mouth, that's your truth. Yeah. How do you approach fear? Whether it's, you know, whether it's like your own, you know, in your own journey, you know, you transitioning to new careers, trying new things, or even in trying new paths. Um, maybe you are headed on the, route, the the correct path, but sometimes it's scary. How do you approach that in your life and how do you encourage others to push past fear? So I think fear, fear can be healthy. Um, there is a healthy fear and then there's an unhealthy fear. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy because if you have, if you walk around just com- completely fearless, that can get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you're not using any kind of wisdom to kind of stop and think about what you're doing. Um, you're just doing anything, you know, but um, fear can also drive you to push past that. So for me, um, I'm starting a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. This is something major. I would have never, I mean, it's something I, I, I kind of wanted to do, but it's a major step for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, excuse me, because I am a little fearful, then it makes me more assured in what I'm doing because mm-hmm. now what I'm doing is I'm taking the time to dot my I's and cross my T's. Sure. If that makes sense. So that's the healthy part of my fear. Yeah. But what makes it unhealthy is when I take too much time. And by taking too much time, meaning I've done the research and then I go, well, let me do that research again. Well, let me do that research again. Well, yeah. let me talk to some people. Now let me talk to some more people. It's like, well, what are you doing? You, you know, you already talked to people. You've already gotten the research. Now you just have to move. Yeah. At some point, you have to make a decision. But when you become undecisive because of fear, it's yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. So you are very self-aware. Um, so for somebody who maybe doesn't have that level of self-awareness, how do they know they have then reached that point of being too, um, you know, that they're, they're sitting and spinning way too much? Do you encourage them to work with like a, you know, a, a, a buddy system or something or somebody who can check in with them and is like, hey, you're taking way too much time on this because now you're just second guessing yourself. How do you approach that to people who are still unsure of when they're unsure, I guess? So although I may be self-aware, I have accountability people okay. because I can get stuck, too. We all can get stuck. I don't care how self-assured someone is. You cannot go through life alone. Right. Um, and so you need people who will keep you accountable. Um, so I have people around me who will tell me the absolute truth. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that because I don't do well with, well, you know, it's going to be okay. That doesn't always work you know I need someone to tell me hey wake up you know this is not working for you and sometimes <laughs> and what I'll do is if I'm if I'm making decisions I actually call people who I know will keep me accountable okay I call a I don't feel too well about this decision I need mm-hmm. to talk to you what do you think and they'll tell me and I have to listen so relationships are very, very important 
influencers are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not believe in that if I, you know, by me, by me considering myself a mentor and a leader to people who still reach back to me 10, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to have people that I still do the same thing to. So people that I came in when I came into the military, those first supervisors, I've called them throughout my whole career. Sure. I've called them through my whole career and I still call a lot of them today. I meet with them for lunch. Um, I call them, I text them. Um, what do you need? What should I do about this? Um, I got called by the city of Goodyear to speak and they all came. Um, before I spoke, before I gave my speech, I said, well, what do you think about this? This is what I'm going to talk about. So I run it by them to get feelers. Um, so, again, relationships are key. Um, family is good. Friends are good. Um, but again, we need people who are just going to be truthful with us, mm-hmm. but do it in love and, in kind, you know, do it in love. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I like to then um, talk a bit more then about your nonprofit. What... Uh, what made you decide to start a nonprofit? Um, so, you know, I, I always say children say things and sometimes we need to very, we need to listen very closely to the things that children say because we never know what they're really saying mm-hmm. um, because if we grow into something. We may need to nurture that. Um, and I say that because when I was a child, I remember saying, I know I'm going to do something that's going to make a difference in someone's life. Now, in my youth, I really had no idea what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember saying that and and I was um, reflecting over these things um, within the last few months. And um, I went through. So the nonprofit is actually to help people who have been. Um, victimized by human trafficking, domestic mm-hmm. violence, and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have my own story of um, sexual abuse and domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when my story came out as a teenager of the abuse that I went through, I remember saying, I'm going to help people when I get older to realize that whatever happened to them, they don't have to live that way. Again, sure. I have no idea what that, you know, the revelation behind that. I just knew that what people were saying to me at the time of how my life was supposed to end up, mm-hmm. I did not agree. And that just did not sit well with me. And I didn't want other people to feel what I thought they would feel based off of what people were saying okay. to say that we're always going to live as a victim. You know, your life is going to be a certain way because you're a victim. You know, it's those type of stereotypes. It's not to say that your life isn't affected by it, but it doesn't mean that you are what happened to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to change. That's my goal. Okay. Oh, wonderful. And so um, I, I know, well, at least from what I could tell in the research that, so 2018 has been uh, an exceptionally busy year for you as usual. But um, so with your, your nonprofit, how how long did it take from, you know, the idea of I'm going to start this to where it's currently at right now? 
Um, so it's still in the works. We're actually meeting with the board. We're trying to um, get the board together to finish meeting. Um, so it's been approved on the state level. So now we're ready to send everything in for the federal. Okay. Um, so we put bylaws together um, to send all the paperwork in. So now we just need the board to sit together and approve everything so we can send it in on the federal. Sure. But I've been kind of working on this for longer than the board knew. Um, <laughs> I just pulled the board in, yeah. um, kind of, you know, make this work. Mm-hmm. But it's just been a lifelong, a long dream. Even for the state to approve it, normally, I hate to say it, but Arizona, they take a little bit longer, to my understanding, than some states to approve even the um, articles of incorporation. They take uh, quite a few months. Mine was approved within a few weeks. Okay. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was so I just I sent it in, and even uh, what I typed up was all good the, the first time around. It was um, <laughs> what was what was the error was something I put in for the board of directors title. That was okay. the error, the one error. But everything else was actually good. So it was. It's been moving pr- uh, faster than expected. Sure, sure. Well, that's wonderful. Um, so I also want to touch briefly because you are also in another book that is. Is it is it coming out or has it come out? So the ebook is out. The ebook, e-book is out. okay. Is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's Twenty Beautiful Women, Volume Six. So what? Cool. How did how did this uh, this book come about? Um. So I have a blog called Fresh Mana, and so I've just been posting on Fresh Mana. Um, I'm very purposeful on what I post. Um, sometimes it may not be every day. Um, whenever I feel that there's a need to post something, I post and it goes out on, you know, social media. And so the um, publisher and the original author of 20 Beautiful Women, uh, Saba Tekel, mm-hmm. uh, he actually reached out to me through social media. And um, I was very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I was very surprised because. With me doing the blog, this was just something I was just inspired to do. And, you know, I have people that tell me that whatever um, they read helps them. And for me, that's all I want. And so for Saba Tekel to reach out to me and um, to ask if I would be interested in co-authoring um, the next volume of 20 Beautiful Women, I was just ecstatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, wow, this is going to be great. Um, and so this was my opportunity to tell my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I shared uh, my story of a little bit of my journey of um, my abuse, but more so to talk about what determines success. Um, because someone had mentioned to my mother about um Congratulations on, you know, my public, the publication of um, my book, mm-hmm. uh, Rich Manna. And I thought about that and I was like, well, you know, thanks. But what do you mean? Like, I've, I've been successful my whole life. Mm-hmm. This one publication doesn't determine my success. Everything that I've been through in my life that I've overcome, to me, that makes me just as successful as just, you know, publishing this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, It helped me grow. 
Um, and I've touched lives of so many people. And just because others were not there to see or others were not there to acknowledge it does not determine whether or not what I've done has been successful. Right. And so that's what I go in to really touch on in, in my story in 20 Beautiful Women. Oh, great. So it's, so yeah, so, so 2018 has been a, a really big, big year for you. And um, so are you working on another book right now? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought as much. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about it or is it still too early to kind of let the cat out of the bag type of thing? Um, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, okay. I don't have a release date yet. It's just okay. something that's kind of growing. So this one is um, more on um, the Christian level, but it's it's put out towards a secular world. It's mm-hmm. called Seeing God. Um, I, as a child, used to always question everything. Um, <laughs> anything that I saw, uh, in church, um, and how things were done, I was the one that would raise my hand and say, well, it's not really how we're supposed to treat people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really how we're supposed to teach people or talk to people. Shouldn't we do better? Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the things that I've kind of question throughout my life, this book is kind of coming out of that, which is the barriers that we create that keep us from seeing each other and seeing maybe the way that we should, Um, whether it's our own personal issues or, um, you know, when it comes to the church, the barriers that we put up that keep us from connecting to people, period. Mm-hmm. The ones that, we, you know, the, the lines that we draw to keep us separated from people, which are unnecessary, um, which should not be there. So those are the things that um, I'm really touching on in, in this book to kind of tear that down because we should be as one people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I'm I'm excited to hear more about that soon when you're ready. You're again as someone yourself is so prolific in what you're working on. What does your daily schedule look like, or do you have a daily schedule? I I would like to say I have a daily schedule, mm-hmm. but sometimes I kind of don't. Um, sometimes I find myself in kind of weird places, and I say that because. I'll get up and, you know, I'll go for a walk. I I like my walks. It gives me my my downtime, my quiet time, my meditation time. It's kind of like my I call it like my my prayer walk. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, And sometimes, believe it or not, sometimes I will actually type up an entire blog while I am walking. (laughs) And I just type it on my phone while I'm walking. By the time I get home, I'll post it. And then depending on whatever is going on for that day, it may be sitting down, um, people that I need to talk to, a couple of phone calls I need to make. Um, Sometimes that takes up a lot of time Mm -hmm. as I'm talking to people and um, whatever they have going on in in their life. Um, I did just finish um, school, um, so that was taking up a whole lot of time. (laughs) Right. So I, 
<laughs> I would spend about seven hours a day sitting in Starbucks, <laughs> um, wow. studying every day, mm-hmm. um, and going to school at night. But right now, that's kind of dying down. So for the most part, I'm still working on a lot of writing. Okay. Uh, whether it's research and writing for the foundation that we're working that I'm working on, mm-hmm. or research and writing for the book. Um, trying to put some things together for some speaking mm-hmm. engagements. So it just kind of depends on the day of how I have that scheduled out of which project I am working on and which people I am actually talking to. Okay. And, yeah. you know, getting my son into vet school. So we're about to travel to work on those interviews as well. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. So, so then with everything you've done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? The best advice is to know your worth. Know your worth. And honestly, that has come up so many times for me in so many different ways. Um, when I first graduated, the first time I graduated with a master's, um, my commander sat me down. I was, well, I passed him in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> He pulled me aside and sat me down in the lobby and he said, you have a decision to make. And I was like, what decision do I have to make? (laughs) Um, And he said, people are going to contact you now about opportunities. Mm -hmm. You'll have to make a decision about what you want to do. He said, you can leave the Air Force and go make a lot of money and lose a lot of benefits that you're going to have if you stay in and, and retire, or you can tell them to drop, you know, bonuses in your account or what have you to kind of make up the difference. So he kind of explained a different, a lot of different ways to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but what he was telling me, you know, in a nutshell was understanding what I was worth and understanding, you know, what I would gain and what I would lose, you know, kind of looking at the big picture of things. And I was like, Oh, I never really, I never really thought about that. So I'm glad he talked to me about that. Mm-hmm. And so every time I make a decision to do something, I always think about knowing my worth. And it's not always in a dollar sign per se. It's just understanding who I am and what my value is. It keeps me from being pulled in the wrong direction. So even as a woman, knowing my worth, I am not just swayed by anyone who says anything to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I know my worth. Um, I won't just take any particular job because I know my worth. Um, I won't just go and spend time with just anyone or have just any type of friends because I know my worth. Mm-hmm. So because I know I'm worth something and I value myself, then I value and I am mindful of who I keep around me and where I spend my time. Mm-hmm. So I know my worth. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That's that's fantastic. Um, so, Shawana, I, Shawana, I want to thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to buy your books, 
hear more, um, hear your talks, read your writing? Where is the best place they can go to find you? The best place to find me is on shawandarandolph.com. And I'm very active on Instagram, mm-hmm. which is on, which is at randolph.freshmana. Okay. Perfect. So I will, I will put a link in the show notes to both of those and uh, people can click right through. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Mine as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.